podcast 124 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder, and me, Mick Webb. This week, we are going to immerse ourselves, and I hope you as well, in sound. Not just the noise made by our delightful voices, though (laughs) they will have to feature, I'm afraid, but in the sounds of travel and their capacity to recreate great moments and experiences. We've each brought a few of them to the table and we'll be playing them and talking about them in a minute. First, though, some responses to recent podcasts and following last week's musings on basilicas with views, Rebecca Halpin has tweeted about her own experience of making it to the summit of Marseille's rocky pinnacle to visit the marvellous Notre Dame de la Garde. She says... We took one of those mini road trains to Notre Dame de la Garde rather than walking up. In our defence, we had two very small children with us. Well, fair enough. Yes, and I was wondering whether we should actually extend the brief to include churches in general, because you find um, the world over fascinating um, religious um, places, sites, um, up on the top of really quite high and sometimes almost unreachable uh, rocks and pinnacles. Um, And I was going to suggest something that is manageable but is utterly wonderful, and that's a trip round the uh, Peloponnese Mm -hmm. uh, chapels, which you find in the mountains, particularly if you make your way up from the coastal village of Cardamili, a very beautiful little uh, village where uh, the great travel writer Patrick Lee Fermor lived for some time. I think he might even be buried very close to that um, at, uh, at near the top of a hill. But I'll see your Peloponnese and I'll raise you um, Meteora, um, which is in central Greece, so north yes. of uh, the Peloponnese. And this is where you've got about half a dozen monasteries on it would be an extraordinary landscape anyway with all these kind of limestone uh pillars and yet the um in uh the i'm trying to think medieval times uh they built um a whole load of monasteries on top and they are of course on the world heritage list really quite difficult to get to if you don't have a car um but absolutely magical so yes we're very very much in the in the market for hearing more about uh, uh, spiritual places with a view you can contact us of course at you should have bt on twitter or please if you have a voice that you would love to hear then do leave us an audio message just go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and follow the instructions Now, after your recent evocative uh, train ride on the Wolverine train from, was it Detroit? I think it was, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. All the way across to, uh, well, it actually begins, can you believe, in Pontiac, which is a place, and it goes through Detroit and Dearborn and eventually ends up in Chicago. Right. Well, anyway, Tim Coxon picked up the baton and wrote brings back fond memories of an Amtrak journey from the White River Junction, Vermont, to Washington, D.C. Just over 10 hours, but it flew by through New York City, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and then into Washington, D.C. The train was virtually empty apart from the commuter hour hop from Penn to Newark. 
That's, of course, uh, just going from Manhattan out to the city of Newark, a busy old time. And uh, it really kind of takes us on to the subject of trains which get spectacularly empty as you go along. Um, I love that concept. Uh, I, I once caught one from, um, uh, would you believe, Gdansk to Berlin. And this was during the time of communism. And you could barely find any way of squeezing onto the train at Gdansk. But by the time we were halfway along the uh, uh, coast of northern Poland, um, there was nobody on it apart from uh, me and the guard. I had a very similar experience, much closer to home, on the, I, now I'm not sure how many cathedrals it is, I think it's three cathedrals yes. express from Paddington to yes. Hereford, Yes, um, and uh, calling in at um, the cathedrals of, let's see if we can get them right. Well, I um, think it simply goes Oxford, Worcester, Hereford, if I'm I not mistaken. I think you're probably right, yes, it doesn't go to Gloucester does it that's a, a separate line but but certainly the last stretch of the uh, the, the line uh, leading to Hereford there was virtually nobody on it um, uh, other than my very good self um, and uh, I was therefore the only person to be seriously inconvenienced when we had to stop because of Cows on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Livestock on the line, yes. Livestock uh, on the line. I know. Yeah. I, I thought that was much better than leaves or snow or anything. Um, at least yeah. it was something you could really see. Uh, yes. And, and um, of course, named trains are marvellous. Uh, very, very few of them. But who could forget the master cutler from <laughs> London St Pancras to Sheffield? Um, it, it really brings back, well, the fact that all American trains are terrible, but they have great names. Yeah. Now, you're a recent summer visit to an extremely crowded Rome, crowded with tourists, uh, that is, um, inspired several thoughts from uh, our listeners. There was Alex, for example, who warned, be prepared to sweat profusely and empty your wallet. Uh, well, very nice of Alex to uh, get in touch and absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it's difficult to know why anybody would visit Italy in the height of summer unless they absolutely had to. Many people have to. Many people have a great time. Of course, things could be even worse. Campaign for real cats uh, points out on Twitter, Riley or dryly maybe, at least they drained the swamps so you don't get malaria from the mosquitoes. I enjoyed your dryly pun there. I assume you uh, meant it. Um, Carol Logan has a more optimistic point to make, I'm glad to say. Hi, Simon. Went to Rome in September 2020 and practically had it to ourselves. It was magical. Yes, and there are still a number of places where um, the long COVID restrictions are still kind of gradually easing off. And there will be this kind of sweet spot between when restrictions are lifted and when actually people realise. So, for example, in February, I was, as you might recall, the only tourist in Australia because I went in on the very day that uh, it opened up and before the world had caught, caught up with it. Um, but uh, worth saying that um, talking of great cities with nobody in them, um, nobody has come to the aid of London, England, after I compared it unfavourably with the great city of London, Ontario. 
Well, be that as it may, it's time for the sounds of travel. Um, Let's do three each, shall we? Um, And uh, you give me your first one. Okay, here we are. And this was something I actually recorded, oh, just three days ago. And thank goodness for um, uh, the the marvellous technology of good smartphones these days. Um, Both you and I from our past will know what it was like lugging a Ewer battery-powered recorder, or even worse, a Nagra around to record such things. Here we go. What a lovely sound, and I'd never have guessed where it actually came from if I hadn't seen it written down. But maybe you should let everybody else in on the secret. Well, yes, this is pretty much the very centre of the city of Bristol, which thankfully these days is really relatively traffic-free. And that's the bells of the cathedral, which brought some joy to my walk as I went across from the fine village of Clifton across to the railway station. Temple Meads, of course, built heroically by Brunel, um, some considerable distance from the centre of Bristol. But this was 1840, so I think we should let him off. And church bells, of course, wherever you are in the world, I think have the power to improve your travel experience. Yes, I thoroughly agree with that. And I think uh, the only thing to beat church bells is actually cowbells um, <laughs> on some Pyrenean or Alpine pasture. More of that anon, because here is my first recording. Millions of cicadas. Is there anything more evocative of a holiday or travel scene than that? Well, it always spells for me, Mick, that it is late afternoon, early evening, and you are in somewhere warm and wonderful. Um, I heard a very similar noise, actually, when I was um, walking along the north coast of um, Sicily last month. But yes, it, it is absolutely atmospheric and a really important accompaniment to your journey and to your thoughts. Well, those were recorded by my good self on the island, on the Croatian island of Kres. Well, it's spelt Kres, but it's um, pronounced Sres. A very nice place to um, to go. And they were recorded on a dictaphone, which for <laughs> some reason I had with me because I hadn't at the time upgraded my phone to something that could do an equally good job. Well, it uh, sound, sounded good enough uh, to me anyway and, um, and, and transported me instantly. I wonder if this will do the same for you. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm already there, walking along the sand, looking out to sea, <laughs> watching possibly the uh, uh, sun beginning to set. 
um, and um, possibly even looking forward to uh, an aperitif of some kind. But I'm not really sure where we are. Well, the great thing is that that kind of cacophony, gentle combination of sounds could be pretty much anywhere. Maybe Bondi Beach in uh, in Sydney, Australia, Uh, maybe one of the great beaches around Cape Town. Um, Of course, Rio, it could be, um, or uh, one of the lovely Mediterranean stretches of beach. But actually, it was very simply Bournemouth Beach. Uh, On the subject of interesting um, beaches, uh, when I was at Barcelona Airport about 10 days ago, um, I went for a quick uh, walk around the airport perimeter because (laughs) that's how I get my kicks. In this case, um, I was very surprised to um, experience um, not just a really interesting nature reserve, which has been beautifully, beautifully preserved, and this... If you're taking off uh, to the southwest from there, you will see it. You will fly directly over it. But if you carry on, you get to a beautiful beach. And it's really quite deserted, except for a number of people, none of whom are wearing any clothes, Mick. There is a nudist beach um, almost within... um, Passenger view of uh, well, uh, I mean, you were, you were going at, to say touching distance, well, weren't well, you? I, I, you? I definitely wasn't. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and there it is. And um, do you think there should be a pilot announcement uh, for planes taking off in that direction, um, <laughs> la- ladies and gentlemen? Um, anybody with uh, young children <laughs> should not look out of the left side of the plane. <laughs> what have you got next, Mick? Well, this one doesn't involve any people at all, um, and. Although it is somewhat uncomfortable um, sometimes if one is in it, the sounds and the smells and the feel of everything is just amazing. Did that take you anywhere much? Well, I it, it sounded. I mean, that is from the point of view of of somebody who who loves being in nature. That was the most wonderful symphony, an entire orchestra, um, absolutely joyful. So I'm going to say somewhere tropical. Yeah. Well, it was the lovely Caribbean island of Tobago. And Tobago is actually a wonderful place for um, watching birds as well as for listening to them because it gets the birds of uh, the Caribbean islands plus the birds of South America because, of course, it's um, it's extremely close to uh, Venezuela. Um, I can, for example, recommend the blue-crowned motmot. <laughs> a motmot? Is that any relation to a marmot? <laughs> which, of course, is uh, one of our favourite creatures um, to be found in the Pyrenees, popping up from um, various hillsides. I think um, I think Darwin would probably tell us that it was a very, 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 very distant relative. 
Well, if I may do a Radio 2 style link, talking of Darwin, the biggest city in Australia is, of course, Sydney. And on my trip earlier this year, I was just struck by how marvellous it is to get the sounds of public transport because they are absolutely a part of any city. And when you board them, you just know you are going places, even if it is just down the road quite slowly. This stop is QVB, a light for Darling Harbour and Pitt Street Mall. Ah, but that's not just any old public transport. That is a tram, I can absolutely guarantee. And the sound they make, I think, is so much nicer than um, buses. And uh, I can't remember trolley buses very well now, but uh, they certainly did exist when I was very small. Trolley buses still exist. And please don't write in about this, but it is still the case, I believe, that there are two European airports that you can reach by trolley bus. And if people are unfamiliar with these, it's effectively an electric bus that has uh, has to be connected to uh, um, electricity wires, uh, overhead wires, and um, drives along. And occasionally, the of course, the, uh, uh, the connection breaks. But um, both Geneva and Salzburg both, I believe, have uh, trolley buses going straight to departures. So uh, well worth um, seeing those if you're out and about on the uh, on, on the roads, rails and trolleys of the uh, of Europe. And of course, a trolley in the US means a tram, as does streetcar. And it all gets very confusing, as is often uh, the way. Well, here's my last travel sound. Well, I'm cheating, obviously, but um, what does that sound like to you? <laughs> that sounds like um, uh, lesson one in the BBC studio managers, how to, um, in the confines of a radio studio, uh, make a sound like um, horses' hooves. And I must say you're doing pretty well. Um, and that's a couple of coconut shells, I'm betting. It's absolutely right. Yes, it is a couple of half coconut shells. Um, And uh, obviously, I'm trying to um, uh, create the uh, illusion of of horses um, passing by. And I heard lots of um, horses' hooves in the uh, Cotswolds, where I have been recently. Um, It sounds um, a joyful trip, a lovely part of um, the UK, of course, that wonderful swathe of of countryside going west from Oxford um, across the hills with gorgeous villages, um, really up to, uh, I guess, the uh, western boundary is pretty much the M5. Yes, and of course, renowned um, originally for its beautiful uh, honey-coloured stone, the Cotswold stone, out of which um, houses, farms, and indeed many manor houses are built. And uh, and amongst the many extremely pretty villages, I came upon one which we have actually mentioned before. It's a lovely, fresh, sunny morning in early September. Birdsong and the distant clip-clopping of horses' hooves. 
and here I am in the Cotswolds and rather oddly at a bus shelter. Oddly because the bus shelter has the nameplate from a railway station, Adelstrop. The station no longer exists, a victim of the uh, infamous beaching cuts of the 1960s. But the name will be remembered forever in the poem written by Edward Thomas in uh, late June 1914, three years before he was killed in the First World War. And here, very conveniently actually written on the bench uh, inside the uh, bus shelter, is the poem. Yes, I remember Adelstrop, the name, because one afternoon of heat, the express train drew up there unwantedly. It was late June. The steam hissed. Someone cleared his throat. No one left and no one came on the bare platform. What I saw was Adelstrop, only the name. Hello. <laughs> and willows, willow herb and grass and meadowsweet and haycocks dry. No whit less still and lonely fair than the high cloudlets in the sky. And for that minute a blackbird sang close by and round him, mistier, father and father, all the birds of Oxfordshire and Gloucestershire. That was just lovely, Mick. Um, I'm going to suggest that those are actual real horses rather than you improvising <laughs> on your, your coconut shells. Yes, how true. And um, after sitting um, in the bus shelter for a bit, I then took a turn around the extremely small village of uh, Adelstrop, uh, which has a, a very occasional post office, which is open for about five hours a week, which was uh, quite uh, interesting. Unfortunately, it wasn't open when I was there, but I did meet a chap who was the son of the very last station master at Adelstrop Station uh, before the um, station was closed down. This chap was called Ralph Price and told me the tale of how the sign came to be in the bus shelter at Adelstrop, which I wish I had actually <laughs> recorded, but instead I'll just have to try and praise He told me that uh, when the station was closed down, the uh, local villagers wanted to have the two signs. But British Rail, which uh, then owned all this stuff, told them they could only have one of them. And so they got the one from the up platform, the one going to London. And what's more, they had to go and collect <laughs> it from Eversham train yard. They weren't allowed to just have it from, from take it from the station. But it is taking us rather a long way from the poem, uh, which for me, when I sort of thought about it, um, is actually a very, very, very good travel poem because it's about unexpected things that happen when you're traveling, which at first sight you might think are really extremely annoying, i.e. Uh, you want to get somewhere uh, and then your damn train stops somewhere for a while when you didn't want it to. And so you will probably be late for whatever it is you were going to do. But that does actually um, open you up to some um, interesting, new and often um, amazing experiences. 
It certainly does. We've got the hiss of the steam. We've got someone clearing his throat. And uh, for that minute, a blackbird sang. So, yes, very lyrical, very inspiring. And, um, uh, well, Edward Thomas, a marvellous man who very sadly, of course, like so many of those um, uh, First World War poets, um, was killed in the uh, Battle of Arras, I think. Yes, but on a more positive uh, note, uh, let's finish uh, today's podcast with a quote, a tweet from a friend of the programme, Linda W.S. And um, she was actually responding to a uh, podcast of some weeks ago when we were discussing the best British cities to go to um, in the summer. And she says... I had been thinking about Holy Island and remember sitting on the beach and being overwhelmed by silence. A moving experience. And it's an easy drive to bustling fab Edinburgh. Thanks very much, Linda. And definitely time now for some silence for us. Please don't be silent on Twitter, though. You know you can contact us at you should have BT. But for now, from me, Simon Calder... And me, Mick Webb, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.